Hey everybody, welcome to episode 3 of the podcast with no snakes. This is going to be a very special versus episode. is um so I was going through the issues that I was going to review for this episode which will now be in episode four because I um was reading Avengers number twenty nine and I noticed as I'm sure anybody that's been keeping up with this that this issue parallels or tells the same story as the issue of Wolverine and the X-Men that came out right before I started doing the podcast, which was number 12. So Avengers 29 and Wolverine and the X-Men number 12 both tell the same story from different points of view. Obviously, Avengers from the Avenger point of view and Wolverine and the X-Men from the X-Men point of view. And then... In both books, Wolverine is just Wolverine. I was going to review Avengers 29 anyway, even though it's not a Wolverine book or an X-Men book, because there's a decent amount of Wolverine action in it, and I don't normally like to go backwards. Like, I may later do some kind of retro episodes with some older Wolverine appearances maybe like maybe his first few actually kind of bummed because I lost tonight uh I was winning an auction for a pretty decent copy of Incredible Hulk 182 which is Wolverine's third appearance but right at the last minute it went past my max bid so unfortunately I missed out on that one but Maybe I can find a, a decent copy some other time. Or I decided that in the in honor of the uh, Avengers versus X Men versus series, you know the one where they do all the fights from Avengers versus X Men. I think I think the, uh, the kind of the ploy behind it is is all the action without all the story. <laughs> Like, it's just a fight book. That's kind of what they're advertising it as. So, in in kind of that tradition, I'm going to do Avengers versus X-Men versus between these two issues. So, I will kind of just go through the overall story that, that's taking place between these two issues. And then I'll talk about the strengths of each one and... Well, we'll see who comes out on top, whether the Avengers book or the X-Men book comes out on top. Now, to be fair, I will admit my bias. I'm an X-Men guy first. I didn't really start reading Avengers a whole lot until they relaunched it after, uh, I guess that was after House of M, when I kind of got into Avengers I wish and eventually we'll get trades and go back and read the disassembled stuff that led up to House of M. For one, I think the art was really good in it. And 
the story looked pretty cool too. And what I've read about it sounds pretty awesome. But, but so so on the one hand, I have a small X Men bias, and obviously this is a Wolverine podcast, and Wolverine is involved in both, so that's kind of neutral. It's kind of Swiss. But then, on the other hand, I have a slight Avengers bias because I think that they are, I won't say all the way right in Avengers versus X-Men. They can maybe um, be a little less stubborn. But I do, I do think they're on the right side of the fight. So I have a slight bias in that I think, particularly with the Phoenix Five, as I've said before, those characters on the X-Men who have the Phoenix are not handling it right, as we know they won't. But, um, so, the, the, I think those two biases kind of cancel out. So I would try to uh, determine a winner in this little comic battle as open-minded and as fairly as possible. <laughs> like it really matters. But anyway, I decided to do this fun little game, so I'm going to do it. So I'll start with, uh, we'll do the credits first for each issue. Avengers versus X-Men is the, the tie-ins here. Wolverine and the X-Men number 12 is written by Jason Aaron with art by Chris Boccolo, Tim Townsend, Jaime Mendoza, Al Vey, and Victor Elazaba, uh, if that's right are the inkers. Chris Eliopoulos is the letterer. And the cover is by Nick Bradshaw and Rochelle Rosenberg. Okay. So then Avengers 29 is written by Brian Michael Bendis with pencils by Walter Simonson, inks by Scott Hanna, colors by Jason Keith, and VC's Corey Pettit doing the letters. The cover is by Mike Diodato and Rain Barreto, maybe? And we get a special thanks to Jason Aaron, which kind of doesn't start this issue off ahead in the battle because we already know who wrote the bulk of the story. So I'm going to assume that the things that are in common, like some of the lines that are really good, probably came from Jason Aaron. But not to say that Bendis isn't a good writer, because he's an awesome writer. But anyway, as far as the whole battle aspect, we're going to know that some of the really cool lines come from Jason Aaron. Or at least that's the way I'm reading that. So, the overall story uh, takes place during the whole Avengers versus X-Men saga. Uh, what we have right now is in this point in the story that these two, this little story happens, these two issues, is the X-Men are looking for Hope, who is in custody of the Avengers. And basically, Scott Summers, a.k.a. Cyclops, who is one of the five recipients of the split-up Phoenix Force, part of the Phoenix Five, as they've been coined, 
He has enlisted Rachel Summers, his daughter from an alternate future, who was teaching at Wolverine School. Anyway, he's enlisted her to try to track Hope down. Now, remember that in the alternate future that Rachel Gray came from, she was used at what they called a mutant hound. This is back from her first appearance in the Days of Future Past storyline in Uncanny X-Men, way back in the, like, the 130s, I think. I should know that. I'm pretty sure that's right. So, keep that in mind. And when she came to this timeline at the end, or during that story, she kind of decided, like, she broke free of the hound part that the people, the villains in that story were using to force her to hunt down her own kind. And so now we have Scott using the idea of Utopia trying to get her to voluntarily hunt down Hope. And on the Avengers side, the Avengers are trying to figure out that they decide they need to even the playing field by taking out some of the telepaths and they obviously don't feel like they can get to Emma Frost because she is, has the Phoenix thing going on. And so Wolverine decides that the next target on the list, the second highest current X-Men telepath, would be Rachel Gray. So they decide to come up with a trap to take her out of the game. So it's very interesting in that you have Cyclops wants to use Rachel Gray to find Hope. And then the Avengers are going to use Wolverine as bait, basically thinking or assuming that if Rachel senses Wolverine, she'll think that Hope is nearby or that Wolverine is probably protecting her. Which is a valid thought because you would assume if you're the X-Men, that Wolverine, particularly considering the side he's taken, and considering that he is indeed the best he is at what he does, as he likes to say, that he will probably be the one guarding Hope. So, you know, it's a good assumption then that if she can pick up on where Wolverine is, then Hope will be nearby. So Rachel... Summers, or I'm sorry, I keep calling her Rachel Summers. Rachel Gray senses Wolverine in Singapore. Uh, what's this place called? The the great the spaceship graveyard. Um. Yes, I'm sorry, and it wasn't Singapore. It's Indonesia, at Shaparanga Beach, the spaceship graveyard. What's that? Is that... I mean, it's not a real place because there's not a spaceship graveyard, but that's from a movie or something? I know it's been in X-Men comics before, but I feel like... I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe I'm just making that up. I should have Googled that, but I didn't. So, if you're listening, you can email in if that's from anything outside of X-Men lore or if that's only been in X-Men comics before. 
because I can't remember. So Rachel Gray tracks Wolverine there. And it's interesting because since both sides are using this, Rachel has brought a team of X-Men, including Neymar with the Phoenix Force, and Wolverine has a team of Avengers waiting outside to try to take out Rachel Gray. So basically, Rachel in both stories, you know, kind of tries to call Wolverine out like you're on the wrong side. You're letting your hatred for Cyclops um, sway your opinion too much. Uh, I think they say cloud your judgment, which makes sense. And it's a valid point that, you know, since the, um, oh, uh, schism that you know there has to be some questioning of some of the X-Men if Wolverine is just fighting with the Avengers because he disagrees with Cyclops on principle and so he's going to be on the opposite side no matter what which I don't think is the case but you can see where where some of the X-Men would think that I mean it's a valid kind of argument so she tells Wolverine, just tell me where Hope is. We don't have to do this the hard way. And we get some awesome Wolverine where it's like, who the hell do you think you're talking to? Like, of course this is going to go down the hard way. And so she kind of throw, he kind of throws Rachel like out the door. And then we kind of get this little standoff between the X-Men and the Avengers. And they kind of both realize there's a group of each at the place. And in both issues, Wolverine gets a really nice line in where he tells Rachel, I'm just glad your mama ain't here to see this, referring to Jean Grey. And referring that, considering what she went through with the Phoenix, with the whole Dark Phoenix saga, that she would probably not approve of what the X-Men are doing. Which Wolverine has, I think, a very good point there. And then Wolverine, even though he's standing next to Captain America, is the one that yells Avengers Assemble. And that's in both issues. And then so then all hell breaks loose as the group of X-Men that are there, the group of Avengers that are there, start brawling. And then so basically we have some pretty good fights, including a very classic, nice Beast versus Iceman fight. Iceman's kind of like, we shouldn't be fighting. And Beast is like, well, no, we shouldn't. But until you come to your senses and realize that you're following Scott blindly and he's on the wrong side and so are you, then we kind of have to do this. And we get some more cool fights. And then Rachel senses Hope, goes and finds her, and then at that point, the two stories veer off slightly. So let's talk about some uh, pros and cons. Alright, so in the Wolverine and the X-Men issue, the writing, Jason Aaron. Um, obviously, I'm a huge Jason Aaron fan. I've been talking about that 
probably mentioned it at least once in every ep- or every episode, all two of them so far. And this will be the third one that I concur with that. And I think Jason Aaron's a great artist. So the writing in Wolverine and the X-Men is great. Um, I will say as far as like the difference, obviously, I like I said, in the Avengers issue, Bendis kind of gives a nod to Jason Aaron that he is embellishing this story from the Avengers side. And Michael, Brian, Michael Bendis does a great job and he's a great writer too. I'm a, I'm a fan of his as well. And he fleshes this out from the Avengers side very, very well. Jason Aaron, uh, we get more of his sense of humor. But we get some of Bendis' sense of humor too. And they both are very good, even at really serious stories like this one is. And adding a sense of humor. I guess because I feel like the story which came out first in Wolverine and the X-Men. It came out almost like a month and a half before the Avengers came out, though I'm sure with all the AVX stuff, there's been a whole lot of staff meetings, so I'm sure it's not like Ben just didn't know he was going to write this story here. I guess I'm going to say the writing's pretty even with a slight edge to Aaron... And then up until the point where they kind of veer off of each other. And then I guess at that point, there's creative decisions made, but I'll talk about that at the end. So the writing's pretty neck and neck. The covers are both great. I love the Nick Bradshaw cover on Wolverine and the X-Men. It's got a nice little brawl. The only thing I would say about that one is that not all the characters on the cover are participating in the brawl. There's Thing on the cover, and he's not really in the fight. And Spider-Man's on the cover, and he's not in the fight. But there is a really funny line where a kid gladiator who has a hand around Hawkeye's neck and another hand grabbing Thor's cape is like, Earth's Mightiest Heroes? Bah! Like, yeah, it's just a nice little one-liner. The cover for Diodato on Avengers has uh, Captain America with a tore-up uniform around a wall, kind of being stalked on the other side of the wall by Rachel Gray, Angel, and Iceman. And it's a great cover, too. I like Diodato, Diodato as an artist. Actually, liking quite a bit. The only thing I would say about this one is that I would have liked to have seen his version of the current Iceman. The Iceman he drew on the cover is good. It looks a lot like the Silver Surfer. In fact, in the little in the little picture that's been in the back of the comics, I think I even said a couple issues ago when I talked about this cover that. I thought it might be Silver Surfer. I couldn't tell if it was Silver Surfer or Iceman. But it's a great cover. So the covers are pretty even, Steven. Both have a couple of things I would have liked to have seen Jason Aaron write Spider-Man again. So I would have liked for him to have been involved in the battle like he was on the cover. But, you know, 
I understand that the cover doesn't have to match the inside of the issue verbatim. That's cool. I'm fine with that. And like I said, I would have liked to have seen the Adato's version of the chunkier Iceman since that's what's going on current presently. I wouldn't have minded seeing his take on that. Instead of seeing the more X-Factory looking Iceman. Which is funny because he draws Iceman on the cover a lot like Simonson used to draw him when he was drawing X-Factor. Kind of the, the sweet made of ice. Kind of where, you know, where Iceman ended up in the old, old X-Men issues after he was a snowman. He kind of went from being a snowman to kind of this sweet Iceman. So this is this is a callback to that. And probably the Iceman that most people would be familiar with, I guess. If you're not actually reading all the issues, that's probably the most iconic version of Iceman. It's kind of the smooth, just covered in ice guy. So... That's cool. It's not a big deal. So they're both really good covers. Um, as far as interior art, I'm going to say they kind of go neck to neck as well. I feel like I like both artists a lot. I like Bacalo a lot. And I like Simonson a lot. And I feel like both artists fit their book or their side of the story. I feel like the Bacalo art in Wolverine and the X-Men presents a tone that goes really, really well with the X-Men point of view in this story. It's a little more dark, particularly because you have Rachel kind of struggling with kind of the contradiction, irony, whatever, of the fact that she tried so hard to get away from being a mutant hound and now that's kind of what she's doing so you have that internal struggle and kind of the darker more chaotic Bacalo art really fits that I think there's really kind of an emotional struggle in here in the way he draws this issue so I think that goes really well the colors by um oh a Bacalo colored in it himself. I don't know if I mentioned that in the credits or not. If I said he penciled it or if I said he penciled and colored. But he did do both. So the colors he does in here really also do a great job of presenting the mood in the story. That said, Simonson also, I think his art really, really fits what's going on in the Avengers. This very classic comic booky art like Simonson is. And, you know, the Avengers are kind of the classic comic book team. No, he's from the Marvel side. And it's kind of big and dramatic, but he's not too clean. I mean, Simon's art has never been too clean. I mean, it's not like a Jim Lee classic art. It's, you know, it's definitely, I mean, Simon's very unique. You, you know Simon's art when you see it if you're a comic fan. I don't know. There's something... It's very classic, but it's not so clean that I think it there's a little bit of I don't know. I lost the word I was gonna use to describe it and now I'm kind of annoyed. But um basically I feel like the art just really fits 
the Avengers side of the story. So it's very kind of classic, but desperate. Desperate is the word I was looking for. There's a sense of desperation that comes through in Simonson's art and the fact that it's classic and not too clean gives you kind of a desperate feeling. That's kind of where the Avengers are at this point. And they've kind of been on the losing side of some of the battles and the kind of this ploy to try to take out some of the telepaths is a very desperate move. So in that sense, the art really fits the Avengers side of the story. And I feel like Simonson does a really good job of portraying that. So I feel like the art's kind of neck and neck. Now, the first point that I'm going to give to Wolverine and the X-Men is that when Rachel Gray finds Wolverine and Wolverine pops his claws, in our Wolverine-titled book, we get a really nice snick where the claws come through the table at the bar, which I like the name of the bar. It's called The Last Astronaut, and it's inside a space shuttle. This whole, like... Spaceship Graveyard is really cool, wherever it came from or whatever. It's a cool concept. I like it when they come here. Kind of reminds me of Star Wars a little bit, like the Tatooine kind of thing, but it's really cool. But anyway, like I said, the advantage, the point, first point I'm giving to Wolverine and the X-Men is that when Wolverine pops his claws through the tables, we get a snicked and... I like when we get a snicked. Unfortunately, in the Avengers book, we have the same scene. A Wolverine. When he pops his claws and kicks through the table and kind of throws Rachel out. His claws come out, but we have no snicked. So boo on that. So that's the first point for Wolverine and the X-Men. The first real advantage. <laughs> Which seems like a really small, minute thing to complain about. But, you know, in a match this close, it comes down to the details. And that first detail goes to Wolverine and the X-Men. Okay, so they both have the really awesome line that Jason Aaron, it sounds like he wrote first. Where, let's see, I'm going to actually read it verbatim here. So Jean, or I'm sorry, Rachel Gray has been talking to Wolverine and she's the point and she says this. You've lost your way in this fight, Logan. You're letting your personal resentment of Cyclops cloud your judgment. The Phoenix is here to save us, to make certain the future I came from never comes to be. Why would you want to stand in the way of true utopia? And then Wolverine answers, The phoenix ain't on our side, darling. It's on its own. And you're the one who's lost their damned way. I'm just glad your mama ain't here to see this. Avengers Assemble! Okay. So, slight, I guess, nod to Wolverine and the X-Men because Jason Aaron probably wrote that line first. However, I'm going to give a point to Avengers on that line anyway because in the Avengers book, when Wolverine says this, it's the Avengers book where we get Rachel's response to it. 
and we see her face, which Stuyvesant draws beautifully, of kind of like this, ah, uh, like <laughs> like Wolverine's claws just kind of symbolically went through her heart there. And that reaction shot gives Avengers kind of their first advantage. Um, as far as the fight action, both books, after Wolverine yells Avengers Assemble, we get a nice two-page spread in both issues of kind of the initial section of fighting. And both spreads are awesome. So I cannot give a point there because both issues are great. In the Wolverine and the X-Men, the spread... Let's see here. There we go. It's just very dynamic. And you have Giant Man kind of in the middle of it. And everybody's punching and Beast is jumping. Which I really like Bakula's Beast a lot. But yeah, it's just very, very dynamic. You have a nice giant ice thing capturing Spider-Woman. But then on the other hand, in the Simonson Avengers book, the two-page spread is also really, really sweet. And you still get Beast jumping. And you know what? I like Simonson's Beast a lot. Maybe it reminds me. You know, it's cool seeing Angel and Beast and Iceman in this shot. Because I really, really enjoyed uh, Simonson's pretty long run uh, back when X-Factor was in his infancy the first time around which had a lot of the original X-Men on that team. So it's cool to see him redraw some of those characters again. I will say the thing I like about uh, Simonson's spread, you have Kid Gladiator chasing Quicksilver, which is also found in the Wolverine and the X-Men issue. Or this one, it looks like Kid Gladiator is flying while laying down. Like He's got his elbow propped up and his head on his wrist. Like, he's really, really bored chasing Quicksilver. And I thought that was really funny. So, but anyway, the spreads are kind of tied. They're both awesome. Both nice, really, really nice two-page spreads with lots of action. I'm going to give a slight nod. Okay, so the cool thing we get in the Wolverine and X-Men book is we get Rachel Gray's kind of we get some flashbacks to her internal struggle, including a really, really awesome panel where Rachel is in a flashback training kids at Wolverine School, and she's teaching them mental defenses. And Quentin Quire is like, well, I can peer in your mind, because he has tele telepathy too. And we get a really, really awesome drawing of Bakalu drawing Rachel Gray in her original hound costume with a spike collar and chains. And Bakula draws chains really good. In fact, you know what I would love to see him draw? And I know it probably won't ever happen, especially since uh, McFarlane has kind of said, quote-unquote, he wants to get away from comic book art and do more motion picture-looking art. But I think it would be really cool to see Bakula do a, a run on Spawn. 
it's kind of a tangent. Just you know, I won't chase that rabbit too much. But but this picture makes me think he'd be really good at that. And we also have a little section of flashback where Rachel is talking to Cyclops and he's kind of convincing her to go out and do this again. She's like, well, I swore I would never hunt mutants again. He's like, yeah, but we need it. The utopia we're trying to build that we've been, you know, mutants are finally where we've always tried to be. And for a better future, I need you to do this. And we also get an interesting conversation where she's like, she asks Cyclops if the Phoenix ever says anything about her. Because, you know, she used to have the Phoenix. She was a previous host. And you kind of get this kind of... They show her from the back, so you can't see her face. And you wonder if she has a disappointed look on her face where Cyclops says, The Phoenix loves you, Rachel, just as it loves us all. You know, I think Rachel was kind of open to the Phoenix and being like, oh, Yeah, you know, I had a good time back when I was with, with Rachel. But... It seems that she's not so special. Um, but, on the other hand, we have some cool stuff in the Avengers book. Obviously, this only from their side. Like, talking about the different telepaths, and they're kind of making their plan to take them out, and Wolverine comes out of the shadows. It's like, Emma Frost and Rachel Summers. Those are the top two. And we have kind of a thing where when Captain America decides he's going to call Professor X because they decide they need a telepath on their side and Wolverine scowls at him which gives you some good insight to Wolverine. But I'm not real sure what he's so angry about in that picture. But Captain America looks like he doesn't want to do it. I think because the only thing I can think of which makes the most sense is because Wolverine is obviously not... Like he's not doing this to fight the X-Men. I mean, these are these are his teammates, his fellow mutants. He doesn't like the fact that he's fighting them, but he feels like he has to because he's doing the right thing. And so I think he's just mad at Cyclops because he doesn't want to pull any other X-Men into this that aren't already involved. And so I think that's probably what he gets upset about. So we have both issues have their own kind of little quirks depending on the team. So, you know, no real advantage there. Now, because I love the X-Men and because I love some of the old X-Men so lot, I'm going to give a point to Wolverine and the X-Men because the Iceman versus Beast fight is longer and has more dialogue. Because let's see, in this issue in Wol with Wolverine and the X-Men, the fight's a whole page. With one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine panels, including one that's like half the page. And there's some pretty good dialogue there between them. And obviously, it's an X-Men book. But then in the Avengers book, which obviously is not an X-Men book. It's an Avengers book. So I expect less panels. And it's only in one panel. 
I guess the thing that I that I don't like because, like I said, it's an Avengers book, so they're not going to focus as much on it, which I understand. So the fact that it's one panel doesn't really bother me, or isn't why I'm giving the point to the X Men book. It's because it's only one panel, and it's kind of barely even the focus of that panel. Like behind them, you have a nice scene borrowed from the other book where King Gladiator is punching Giant Man in the eye and then Neymar and Thor are fighting. And really, your eye visually is drawn to the background. And then down at the bottom, you have Wolverine and X-Men. I'm sorry, <laughs> Wolverine and the X-Men. You have the scene from Wolverine and the X-Men where Beast is shooting his heat ray at Iceman. I don't know. Like I said, I know it's going to be less panels in the Avengers book because it's the Avengers book. But at least make the panel that it's in, like, I don't know, a little more acknowledgement. So I'm going to give Wolverine and the X-Men a point for that one. But, going back to the Avengers book... What was I going to say? Oh, actually. Another thing that I kind of am going to say is in favor of Wolverine and the X-Men is a scene between Wolverine and Kid Gladiator. First of all, it's funnier in Wolverine and the X-Men because Kid Gladiator is like kind of running through the Avengers. He's like, are there any Avengers who can be more of a challenge? And Wolverine shows up. And King Gladiator looks kind of like disappointed, but at the same time, he's kind of like, okay, I guess you'll do. So they fight, and there's a nice little like witty banner between them where King Gladiator's like, come on, pop those claws. And he actually says, he says, do it. Make with the snicked. I command you. It's no fun if you won't pop your claws. And I thought that was really funny, really well written. Plus he says snicked again. So that's the second time we get a snicked. And I really like it because Wolverine's like, well, the point of this is not to be fun. And the thing is, I don't even need to pop my claws to beat you. I've fought all kinds of different things in my long, long life. And I know how to take your race out with a certain pressure point. He just punches him and gladiator crumples, which I think is awesome. And I wish they would have kept with that in the Avengers one. Because there we have, you know, you do have a cool thing with Kid Gladiator kind of holding Wolverine back at arm's length. And his arm is longer than Wolverine's. So they kind of get this idea of like when you're holding off your little brother, you know, and like you just put your head, hand on your head, their head and they're kind of swinging at you but they can't reach you because their arms are shorter than your arms. So that part of it's cool, but Wolverine has his claws out. And, you know, I'm not one of those guys that thinks, this isn't the only time that stories get told in multiple places. And there's always kind of little inconsistencies that are no big deal. So I'm not, it's not really that it's inconsistent that bothers me. It's the fact that I just, I don't know, I like it better in Wolverine and the X-Men where he doesn't use his claws. And so to see his claws out in the Avengers book, it's not that it bothers me that it's different. 
it just bothers me because I don't think this is cool. So, there you go. I will say, though, the, in the Avengers book, we get this cool part where they're trying to pick out what telepath they're going to try to enlist. And we get this big screen of all these heads of telepaths where Iron Man pulls up the intel. And it's kind of got this big wall-sized monitor of all these different heads. And he says, all the best are mutants. We won't be able to trust them. So I thought that part was really cool. And I will say, not that anyone from Marvel is listening, but of the people included in the page is Mr. Sinister. I think it'd be awesome to get a little what-if of what if the Avengers had chosen to try to contact Mr. Sinister instead of Professor X at this junction in the story. I think that would be a great issue, a great little kind of alternate story. You know, just what if the Avengers and, and use Mr. Sinister? be very, very interesting, I think. And you also get a point because in the Avengers book, you actually see Wolverine drinking at the bar. There's a cool shot in the Wolverine and the X-Men book where Bakulo uses Shadow and so when Rachel approaches the table, you see a drink on the table. Wolverine's kind of hidden in the shadow. And that's cool, too. But I like Simonson's depiction of him, you know, waiting for Rachel to get there, enjoying his beverage. And there's also this thing here where Wolverine is yelling Avengers Assemble on the splash page. And so they get a point for the fact that he's actually charging into action when he yells Avengers Assemble, which is very classic Avengers, like, all right, here we go, we're fighting Avengers Assemble! Whereas in Wolverine and the X-Men, he delivers this kind of guilt trip line about Jean Grey not being, not approving of Rachel's actions. But then he just kind of like goes, Avengers Assemble, but they're all still standing there, and then they fight. So, the Avengers get a point for the fact that Wolverine yells, Avengers Assemble, during the Splash Page fight. This awesome kind of battle royale here going on. So, uh, as far as the things that are different, I have both sides with three points. So we're kind of at a standstill at a tie. It's like if it's a boxing match, there's no clear winner. There was no knockout, no TKO in this fight. We're going to have to go to the judges' scorecards. And basically what it's going to come down to, what I'm going to talk about, is where the books kind of separate from each other. So I'll talk about Wolverine and the X-Men first. So we're going to pick up where Rachel Gray has found hope. And she's kind of gone, gone off to get her because that's her mission. And so what happens is... Oh, I do want to mention one thing. There's a really cool line where Thor is fighting Rachel Gray. Sorry, I'm going to backtrack just a second here. And Thor is like, I can feel you trying to evade my mind. Know that to do so would surely kill you or drive you mad. The mind of a god is no place for a mortal. 
And Rachel gives this really awesome retort where she goes, You forget, I was the phoenix for years. I was as much a god as anyone. Gods don't scare me, no matter the size of their hammers. And then she puts Thor on his ass, which is awesome. Alright, so back to what I was talking about. So, Rachel finds hope. And we get this cool line where she says, And then I have the scent, and I am the hound again. And suddenly, nothing else seems to matter. So, Scarlet Witch is guarding hope. Rachel, she's trying to, actually, she's trying to get hope away to escape. And Hope wants to stay and fight. She's like, I'm tired of running and hiding. This is my fight. And Rachel goes, you're right. And she knocks Scarlet Witch down and goes, it is your fight. And then they kind of have like a psychic standoff. Where Rachel interprets that Hope is using her power where she can kind of mimic mutants around her. And so she's picking up Rachel's telepathy and they're kind of fighting against each other telepathically. And you get a really cool shot here where it looks like the phoenix is between them. And then we flash forward to Rachel back on Utopia talking to Cyclops. And it looks like she let Rachel oh, let, hope, let Hope go. In fact, we even have a panel where she says, Go. Go find the phoenix if that's what you want. Go find your destiny. Go find what I never have. And then she lies to Cyclops and says she never saw Hope. They found the Avengers. She found Wolverine, thinking that Hope would be there, but she wasn't. Okay, so the difference is that in the Avengers book, she finds Hope. And again, Black Widow is trying to get Hope to escape. And Hope complains that she doesn't want to run and hide. Then it's her fight. And again, identically, Rachel comes in and knocks out Scarlet Witch. Or, Scarlet, not Scarlet Witch. Black Widow. And says, you're right. It is your fight. And they have a little banter where Rachel kind of says, I'm your sister because I'm a mutant. I'm an X-Men. We both have this kind of beef with the Phoenix we're trying to do. But then she realizes something isn't right. And Hope suddenly becomes Professor X. Okay. So then, you know, he, he kind of says, Whoa, Rachel, you've really gotten a lot stronger as a telepath. I think he actually says, you have grown substantially as a telepath. I cannot be more proud of you. And then he apologizes that they're, he wishes they were meeting under better circumstances, but the, the, this thing has to stop. And then she gets mad because he's on the Wolverine side when he should be on the X-Men side because he started the X-Men. But Professor X says, I'm on the side I have always been on. I'm on humanity's side. I'm on the side of what's best for the mutant race. And Rachel's like, we're your students. We're X-Men. Scott Summers is like a son to you. 
And then she tells the other X-Men it's a, a trap. And then she realizes that the whole point of this was that Professor X came here to neutralize her. So she realizes that the Avengers plan was to kind of take out the telepaths. <laughs> and it's funny because Professor X says, yes, you should be flattered. And they kind of have their own telepathic battle, which ends up being this really nice explosion. And then Professor X puts everybody to sleep. And he's supposed to take out Rachel, but he decides that he can't. And Spider-Woman, who has some very powerful side shields, was not put to sleep. And she says those shields are because she was both an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. and an agent of HYDRA. And she's like, we really need you the most now. They're like, this is when we need you the most. You have to go through with this. And he's like, no, I'm not going to do anything against my X-Men. I shouldn't have come. I can't be a part of this. And, and Spider-Woman tries to say, but doing this is really for your X-Men because they've lost their way. They need your help too. By giving us an advantage, you're actually helping the X-Men. But she's like, but Professor X is like, no, they're grown-ups. They have their own right to make this choice. Then he, he says something cool here. He says, I don't have the taste for madness and blood the rest of you do. Captain America, wake up. I want you to hear this. And he basically says that I'm going to make you all believe I was never here. Please don't call me again. And he goes, as a really cool ending here, he goes, sleep, dream. And he starts to fade away. He goes, consider yourself lucky. I had a dream, and then it kind of fades to black panels, and he says, and it's all but dead. So, okay. Very different endings. And I'm going to say up front, I think they're both great. You kind of have this, this ending where Rachel has to go back to Utopia and kind of lie to Cyclops. And you have this ending where, I don't know, I think the end of that, the very, very end, where Professor X is kind of erasing himself from the situation in, their, in the, everybody's memory. And it kind of fades into black and kind of says, like, I don't know, just that line was really, as an X-Men fan, kind of emotional because he's like, my dream's all but dead. Basically saying, you know what, like this whole Phoenix Avengers versus X-Men thing, this is the exact opposite of everything I ever wanted for, for mutants and humans. It's kind of ruined his dream. And it, and it really has. So I thought that was a very poignant thing to say. So I think both endings are awesome. But honestly... I'm gonna I'm gonna declare Wolverine and the X Men the winner because I think their ending fits the story more. And let me explain why. I don't I understand like I think it's a cool story that they enlisted Professor X because they wanted to take out the telepaths to make the battle more even. And that's a good plan. It's a good strategy for the Avengers. <laughs> 
and being that I think the Avengers are mostly right in this situation, I, I, I need to see the even playing field, so I was kind of hoping for that. So that part of it is good. The reason I don't like that Hope wasn't really there, which actually makes sense too, because they're setting up a trap to catch Rachel, that obviously they're not going to really have Hope there and put her in danger of falling back into the X-Men's hands. They're going to have Hope somewhere else, which happens to be the mystical land of Kunlun, um, where she's training with uh, Iron Fist and the Spider-Man. And, I don't know, I guess, I guess the reason I really like Hope being Hope and not being Professor X, even though it makes more sense, is because in the Wolverine and the X-Men issue, you get the sense that it was Hope and Rachel just let her go because she didn't want to hunt her down. She kind of started having second thoughts, like some remorse. And as an X-Men fan, that's what I want. I'm I'm waiting. You know, I talked last episode in Wolverine and the X-Men a couple issues after this, the current issue, where Iceman comes back from fighting the Avengers and he's like, you know what, I think I've been doing the wrong thing. I don't know if we're on the right side. And that's, that was a key moment for me. And so I feel like in in the Wolverine and the X-Men version of the story, we get another key moment. Another X-Men is kind of starting to see that maybe this is not the right thing to do. Starting to doubt Cyclops a little bit, doubt the Phoenix Five. And that's what I'm looking for. And, and the thing is, when you make it hope, When you make Hope Professor X for real, and then Rachel is not really letting her go. She's fighting Professor X, and she still doesn't find Hope. And it's almost just kind of like she lost, not that she's maybe changing her mind. And so the version we get where she's changing her mind is more compelling to me. The Avengers version makes a little more sense, but the Wolverine and the X-Men version is more compelling. Now, I know there can be an argument made that since Professor X kind of mind-wipes everybody, which is a, a callback to the very, very early episodes, which if you're not listening to the Danger Room podcast, you should. They do a really good job of doing uh, the X-Men from the beginning. And they talk a lot and joke a lot about how in almost all of the original issues, it just ends up with Professor X mind-wiping everybody. So this made me think of that, uh, where there's not really a winner in the battle. <laughs> Professor X, he just mind-wipes everybody. And that's kind of how the old first X-Men fights went. The X-Men didn't really win. Professor X just mind-wiped the bad guy, and supposedly he wasn't going to be a bad guy anymore. But anyway... Um, just a little tangent there. Uh, go listen to Danger Room podcast if you're not already. As an X-Men fan, you would be remiss to not hear it. 
But anyway, so the argument can be made that since he does the mind wipe, then theoretically Rachel would think that she still found hope for real. And that she just got away. I guess, I don't know. I don't know. I guess, though, to me, the idea that she only thought she found hope and only thought she let her go because Professor X removed himself mentally from the situation is not as powerful. It doesn't speak as much to me. So that's how it goes. Um, as far as the rating system, I give both of these issues three claws. They're both awesome. So, but I have to pick a winner. So in the Avengers versus X-Men, who wins this story? I'm going to say Wolverine and the X-Men. Number 12 defeats Avengers 29 by the slimmest of margins. That said, you should read them both, and you should be reading Avengers vs. X-Men, and you should email me and tell me whether you agree or disagree with my little uh, boxing match here between these issues, whether you think, like me, that Wolverine and the X-Men was just a hair better, or whether you think Avengers should have come out on top. So I'd love to hear whether you agree or disagree and why. So please email me. That's at snitcast at yahoo.com. That's S-N-I-K-T-C-A-S-T at yahoo.com. Um, so send me your thoughts on this little uh, this story here and which, whether you like, which ending you like better or whether you think the endings are really both the same, which I think the argument can be made for that. And I guess continuity-wise is what we'll have to go with as the story moves forward is that we got the Wolverine and the X-Men story and Rachel went back and told Cyclops what, what she thought happened, but what really happened is the Avengers 29 story. So continuity-wise, Avengers versus X-Men story going forward-wise, I guess that is what we'll have to go with. But, you know, whatever. I wanted to do this fun little game, uh, kind of a little contest between the two versions of the story. And it's just my opinion. So let me hear yours, please, if you're listening to this and you're interested in sharing. So uh, I'm going to wrap up here. Episode 4 will be what Episode 3 was going to be. That'll be the second half of August books. That we, you know, so the second half of Episode 2. So all those books had a second book in August. And I'll do those in Episode 4. So I will talk to you then. Alright, take care. Bye.